In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who takes our leastness and brings it together with His greatness. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, really anymore all you have to do is say Kanye and a whole host of images pop up for at least quite a few of us. And one of those images might come from the MTV Video Music Awards a few years ago, where uh, T. Swizzle, Taylor Swift, uh, was receiving an award. And as she was receiving that award, uh, Kanye West, a rapper who is pretty good within his own right, uh, came up and stole the microphone away from Taylor Swift. And as he was up there, he said, famously, I'm going to let you finish, but Beyonce had the greatest video of all time. And the entire nation, when that happened, demonized Kanye West. Who was this guy who felt that he could go up and take this great award, this great time of bringing Taylor Swift's image to light and to glory? Who was he that he thought that he could just wrench that away and give it to Beyonce? Well, we saw that happen all over again recently. If you watched the last Grammys, when the artist Beck got up in order to accept his Grammy, his award. And you saw this kind of little back and forth between Kanye and Beck, because Beck was getting up to the microphone to accept his award. And as he was getting up, you saw Kanye come into the camera shot, coming up on stage with Beck. And Beck kind of enjoyed it, it seemed. He, he wanted to play along. He, in fact, was inviting... Uh, Kanye decided probably it was a bad idea in the midst of things and uh, went to go sit back down. And, and Beck said, no, come on up. I need some help. And Kanye wasn't playing, so Beck just went on with his acceptance speech. But then later on, again, Kanye starts talking about how Beyonce, again, deserved the award much more than what Beck did. And he actually said that Beck should have taken the award, and he should have himself given it to Beyonce. And he didn't do this, actually, without at least some sense of personal ownership. Because when you look back through the years, Kanye West, actually, when he has received several different awards, he has taken those awards at least three times and has given them to other artists who he felt deserved them more. And so he would get up at these award shows where people had selected him as the best artist or the best rapper or uh, the, the most full of himself. 
And he said, you know, with all due respect to the people that gave me this award, thank you very much, but I want to give this award to this person. And so he had in his mind the sense of, well, I, I want to be fair, and what is fair in Kanye's mind is what is fair in Kanye's mind. And not necessarily what is fair in anyone else's mind. Well, you get that sense when you get to see James and John and they approach Jesus with this, well, sort of Kanye opening line. Teacher, we want you, I love this line, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. I don't have the guts to say that to most anybody, period, much less to the Son of God. By the way, God, uh, here's what I want. And I want you to do whatever I ask of you. And, and Jesus, it seems, kind of grins and goes along with it. What do you want? And they say, well, we want to sit at your Right and your left in your glory. And Jesus thinks, oh, okay. And Jesus, as a good Jewish rabbi, he responds to their request with a question. He says, well, uh, do you think that you can drink the cup that I can drink? Do you think that you can be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. And those words, those ideas in Hebrew thought were ideas of being overwhelmed. Uh, the one with baptized, we can kind of understand maybe a little bit easier than the cup, so we'll start with that one. The sense of being baptized in the way that Jesus is using it here is not the sense in which we have with this sort of religious connection, at least initially, the way that he's using it. Instead, this sense of being baptized, the word actually means to be submerged. It's the picture of a sinking ship. And so in our culture, the way that we talk about that is that we say that we're treading water. And what happens when you stop treading water? Well, you're underwater then. And so if you go around and you ask people that are in the midst of studying for some midterm or they're in the midst of doing something for work or they're just having a really hard time with life, they might say to you, well, I'm underwater right now. And that's the sense to which Jesus is saying to James and John, are you able to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? Are you able to be overwhelmed in the same way that I am overwhelmed? And then it gets to the cup, which Jesus actually mentions first. And this is one that's really strange, I think, in our culture, because for a, in a large part in our culture, the sense of being drunk is, well, at least sort of a positive thing. At least around here at Florida State University, where you have this sense of, well, I am going out to get trashed. I recently downloaded the Yik Yak app on my phone. Amazing. Last night's Yik Yaks are truly a thing of beauty. 
And actually, somebody was asking if they knew of a great church that they could go to on Sunday morning. So I was like, yeah, it's University Lutheran. <laughs> that amongst a whole bunch of other, probably not safe for sermon things that people put on Yikyak. But there's this sense of, of that being drunk is, is, is a good thing, and being drunk is a fun thing, and being drunk is whatever. But for the ancient Hebrews, being drunk was just a really awful thing. Because being drunk meant that you were kind of woozy. It meant that you were kind of out of control. It meant that you were probably going to throw up at some times. And as much fun as those things sound, to the ancient Hebrew... Well, they just didn't see it in the same way. And so when Jesus is saying, are you able to drink the cup that I am drinking? The picture that he is bringing up for people is drinking so much that you're stumbling around. And this sense of the cup, as it's used in the rest of the Bible, is actually the cup of God's wrath. The cup that you drink and drink and drink this cup that is God's judgment upon your sins. And after you drink it, you begin to stumble around and fall on your face and go and vomit. If you're looking for a Lenten discipline, maybe you found one. To really embrace your sins by drinking that cup of wrath. And so Jesus is saying, are you able to be overwhelmed like I am? Are you able to be brought to next to nothing like I am? And how do James and John respond? Sure, we're down. We're good. Yep. Yeah, we are able. Um, and Jesus, I'm sure, having the foreknowledge of what is going to happen on the cross, just looks at them and shakes his head and says, oh, well, actually, you will be baptized with my baptism. And you will drink the cup which I drink. In, in fact, those two things for us sound eerily familiar if you have been a Christian for very long. Those two things sound like these things that we call sacraments in the Christian church. Those two things sound like this sense of being brought together with God by God. That when we say in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, what we're doing is we are remembering that baptism into which we were baptized. That Jesus told us about so many years ago. And when Jesus talks about drinking this cup, it reminds us of the cup that we will be drinking from later on today. But for us, those things don't have the same sense of being overwhelmed. I, I don't know anybody who is really super afraid of having their child baptized here. In fact, early on in my ministry, I 
uh, was talking with the guy and we, with the dad, and we were talking about what baptism is. And I said that it is literally a death that happens. It is a drowning of the old man that happens. And uh, we were getting through this, and I was explaining the theological significance of that you are actually being put to death in baptism and raised again to new life. And then on the day of the baptism, his wife, unfortunately, could not be there for our little discussions. And I went up to him and I said, let's go drown your baby. (laughs) It was not the right thing necessarily to say. But in a way, it was. And in a way, it's a good reminder for all of us. That... When we are baptized, we are brought to our rightful place before the Son of God. And that rightful place before the Son of God is dead. That anything that we might think God sees in us that is somehow going to help us out with our salvation, well, that doesn't exist. We're, We're just a dead body lying on the floor there. And... God has to breathe into us his life, his life of baptized identity. And he does that. And he makes us his own. But he doesn't do that before he kills us and drowns us in those waters. The same is with his cup of wrath that we drink in remembrance of him that we understand is his body and his blood that took that cup of wrath for us on the cross. That on that cross that he took for us the punishment and the pain which we all deserve. So that when we drink his cup, we drink and think of how overwhelming that was for him. And how overwhelming it would be for us to die on a cross like that one in front of all of your friends and neighbors and everybody else. And he does that to us who approach him like James and John. He does that when we approach him and we say, yeah, we're able to take this. And he says, no, you're not. But, tell you what, I am going to give you my baptism. I'm going to give you my cup. And I am going to give you those things So that you can see the leastness with which I lived my life. So that you can see how overwhelmed I became for you. So that you can have this sense of what it is like to truly be great. And that true greatness 
is not found in being sat at one place or another at the heavenly banquet table, but that true greatness is found in serving those who are at the table. And so when we go out and we serve, we have to constantly find ourselves in the midst of that death. It's so funny working a lot of times with people because we do some service projects and different things around here. And so many times the people that we engage with in order to do service projects, they talk about how they want to do this because it makes them feel so good. And actually, if we go to a service project and it doesn't make them feel good, they are really ticked off. Because, well, you were supposed to make me feel good. I was supposed to get glory somehow here. Somebody was supposed to take my picture and it was going to end up in a United Way newsletter someplace. James and John. But when we approach it with Jesus, all of a sudden we're set free from that need to be found in that newsletter, from that need to feel good about who we are because we don't feel good about who we are without having to do the service project. And Jesus says, feel good about who you are because I love you. And that will free you up to go and to serve the world. And maybe it will look like nothing, but to somebody, it will look like everything. And so Jesus takes what is least in us, and he combines it with his greatness. And so that when we look at the cross, that what we see there is not the least of men but the greatest of them. Amen. Please.